Express this week, and we've come out and about yet again for a quick chat, uh, and particularly this time of year as well. So it's very fitting that we, we do this here as part of our Christmas show here on Express. Uh, I'm with Father Bob at Local Legend here at St Mary's Church in Fratton. That's where we've come today. Father Bob, thank you so much for uh, taking time out and being with us and, and, and having a chat with us. I mean, just had a, a quick sort of look round uh, this magnificent building. Now, you said to me, well, I've read up that there's, there's been three versions of this, but you alluded to, actually, there could be, this could be number four. Yeah, about ten years ago, there was um, some research done and a ground radar scan of the inside of the church uh, in which we discovered uh, an anomaly, as it's called, uh, one and a half metres down, which would take it back to about 600, 650 AD, uh, of what looks like the right size and shape of a Saxon church. Um, and that would fit with the understanding of history of how the, the Saxons at that time, the Christianity, spread across the south coast. They'd kind of hop from one place to the next and find dry land, build a secure church, uh, and then move on to another community and establish a church there. So it looks like there was a church here, which would explain why uh, the later churches we have records of are built here on this site, which would be a very strange place to build a church in the middle of the island. Um, but in the Saxon period, everything south of here was the marshland. So this was the clay land on which they could build. So uh, it explains the location. It explains the fact we're the highest point on the island. It all makes sense. So there's a strong likelihood there is a, a church pre-Church 1, um, which makes us now Church 4. But it gets very confusing. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> trying to get me a bit now with all that. But, uh, but fantastic. But uh, it is a magnificent building. And as you mentioned, of course, that way back, it, it was fields and farm and that, and that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, up until about the 1840s, 1850s, we were very much in the middle of the island, in the middle of farmland. A small community uh, dotted around here, but not very large. Uh, but we were the only church on the island other than St Thomas's uh, within the, the garrison of, of, of Portsmouth, down in Old Portsmouth. Um, and that's why that church was not as large as this one, much smaller population. But the 1860s and 70s saw the growth of the dockyard, Palmerston's Ring Fortress, everyone had to live within it. So the terraces that we're all familiar with in the city the very dense population squeezed in suddenly meant the population in this area rocketed to about 40,000 at that time. So there was a need for a much bigger church to, to serve the needs of that community. And how things have changed, though, in that time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, our population now is back down to about 20,000, 22,000 for the area we look after in the heart of the city. Um, but the church is still, at this time of year, particularly very heavily used. Uh, and is a wonderful space. Uh, we're always very grateful for them building it to seat 2,000, um, because although we've never needed to do that, we do have flexibility to hold refreshments afterwards, welcome people in, put on displays. All sorts of things can happen in the wonderful space. And that's the thing. You mentioned their community, because obviously with the church, we associate that with the community anyway. But with this, in a city as well, it's a community almost with, within its own. Yeah, and I think it feels very much like we're, we're just a village church. I would say it's a village church on steroids, that it's, um, <laughs> it serves all the things a local village church would do in the countryside. It's a place where people meet, a place where people gather, celebrate, place of worship, place of stillness at times. And it does all of those things, but on a slightly grander scale than you might do in a smaller church. So from those very early days, pre-number one, um, its, it's continuities really follow through all those decades. Yes, and certainly the, the kind of, if you look back to the medieval period, medieval churches were very much the meeting place of the community. It's where the markets took place. 
it's where important meetings took place. And we, we've, there is an unbroken continuity here of one and a half thousand years plus of service of a community, uh, of which the church sees itself as a part rather than separate to. And the church has had to adapt, and I, I'm guessing really it continues to adapt all this time on. Yeah, yeah constantly changing. Um, I've been here 23 years, uh, and I'm still surprised when new things happen all the time. We do things in a slightly different way. We learn how to, we discover things about the space that we can use. So the last three years we've had uh, light installations in. Uh, this year we had the sun, a seven metre globe, um, which was just stunning. Uh, and just being able to give people that space to come in and stand underneath it and enjoy it within this context has been amazing. And it is a magnificent building, coming back to, to the actual church itself. Uh, when is this date? You said it's 18? So this is 1887. So um, the second, or brackets, third church was knocked down in 1885 uh, because the then vicar had a great vision for a need for more uh, opportunity for the local people to, to come and, and gather and particularly to inspire and raise the spirits of the dockyard workers, the people who were in the two-by-two two up, two-down terraces crammed around the place. So to give them a real sense of purpose and value and, 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 and um, raise their eyes upwards, really. Uh, so it was built over the course of two years um, and opened in 1887. So that was quite quick, really, to build a, a church of this size in that short space of time. Well, it is when you consider what equipment they would probably have had available in, in, in the late Victorian era. Um, it was a... It, it, it's, it, it's, it's not what it appears from the outside. So a lot of the wall is concrete or cement fill with dressing stones put on the outside. So it, it, is, it is a structure that is not like a medieval church, which would take a lot longer to build. Uh, so that was how they were able to build it, I think, in a, in, a, in a quicker. But also they invested heavily in it in terms of um, how much was spent on it to do it that quickly. They were very forward-thinking people, weren't they, the Victorians? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that vision that Jacobs, uh, my predecessor, had was very much one that we would still recognise today. It's about how do we um, celebrate our life here in this community and raise people's aspirations uh, and raise their awareness of God in, in this place, but also in their daily lives, whatever they're doing. How big is your sort of, I'll say patch, but parish as such? Uh, so the parish runs from Frattenbridge, uh, follows the railway line all the way around to uh, just north of New Road then cuts across the city to roughly where you hit Commercial Road. Uh, and we have this side of Commercial Road, um, right the way back down to uh, the town station, and then it follows the railway line back to Fratton. So it's quite a, quite a central part of the city. Got, we look after Landport and Fratton, um, and Landport, uh, an area of great need, which we're very, very proud to have a church in the middle of, which does a lot of community engagement. Um, and is also a place that is very much a, a place of refuge for people who, who, who just seek some space in their lives. And that's a message, isn't it, really? Uh, particularly with everything that's been going on in the world as well. Uh, I'm guessing you're very conscious of that from a local perspective too. Oh, very much so. And we were aware of, um, we had a prayer board out for a, a recent event we did with children and young people and their families. Uh, and comments on there uh, offered in the things that were worrying them. It, it, it's quite poignant reading the things that you know, even some very young children are, are concerned about the way the world is, about children who they see are suffering in other places, but also about people who are being deployed to that region or, or have relatives in that region. So, yeah, the global international has a very much an impact on the local and, and, and the lives that people are leading here. 
So that, that's the theme, isn't it, uh, particularly of this church, that that has never ceased to, to be at all. And I think particularly in, in a naval town, you know, that's probably far more the case in previous generations than it is now, that very much about how we were serving and supporting people from this community who were serving um, in the armed forces or involved in conflicts overseas. Um, the First World War history is fascinating with the number of curates from here that served as army chaplains, some of them quite famous, like Tubby Clayton, who formed Toc H, um, but very much are, are being with the people from Fratton, from Port C, wherever they were in the world, and that, that real sense of belonging to a community here. Are you surprised at the affection for this particular church, particularly in Portsmouth? Not, I, I'm not surprised at it. I, 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 I always um, enjoy hearing people talking about how it's their church. Um, because the community that worship here regularly very much see it, yes, it's our church because we worship here, but it's not our church alone. It is very much the church where people have got married, people have had family connections for many years, but also it's very much part of this community of Fratton, and the local community see it very much as their church, and that doesn't surprise me, um, but it is something that's always very, very pleasant to hear. Now, I mean, going back to what you said earlier, of course, where it was built and it was one of the part of the tallest place in, in the city, or well, certainly on Portsea Island anyway. Um, we should mention the tower at the top as well. It must be fantastic views up there, Bob. I, I, I always, uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek, claim we have the best views of the city, uh, of any tower, and there are one or two other tall towers in the city that might claim to be quite kind of... I can't think of you mean there. I but... can't think of any, I wouldn't like to name them, but, but they do not look, give you 360 views of the city. If you go up a certain tower somewhere near the harbour, you look out over the Solent mainly, which is wonderful, stunning. You know, we can't compete with that. Uh, but you can't, you can't actually see, you, you have to struggle to see St Mary's from because it's hidden round the back. Um, whereas if you climb the tower here, um, you do get 360 views of the whole city. So the, the three or four days of the year when we open it up for visitors, um, it's often people going up there to see where their house is or where their family were or where Pompey Football Club are. You know, you can see everything. Um, and it really is a stunning view, uh, 180 foot up. Yeah, I mean, fantastic, isn't it? And, and even on top of the Portsdown Hill, really, it, I guess that's another one. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and well, you, yeah, Portsdown Hill gives you the, the kind of overview, the bird's eye view. Um, but this is very much in the middle of it. And, and um, a different perspective, it isn't it? Very different perspective. Uh, and again, it's it's just part of that being very much part of this city and its skyline you know the on this half of the island we're probably the only thing that you can see in terms of rising above the housing obviously once you get nearer the city center there's many more uh, high-rise buildings now but we still stand when you come in on the motorway it's always reassuring when I've been away to come home and see the church tower is still standing and therefore yeah it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's still there but you get that sense of Oh, I'm yeah, home now. Yeah, yeah, no, I certainly do. Um, and, and I know others who I speak to kind of have a sense they look out for it as a, as a, as a sign that this is home, you know, so. I mean, with the church as well, um, do you sort of, I guess, network with other churches in the area? Does yeah. that work? Is that yeah. Right? Um, yeah, we do. We, we work, um, one of my other roles is to, to, to link up all the Church of England churches in the city um, and work with, with my colleagues who are, who are looking after them. So we meet regularly. But also we do a lot of work with other local ch Christian communities. So we have regular meetings with St. John's Cathedral, um, with uh, some of the uh, other churches and, and Christian communities in the city, uh, and do what we can together to, to, to serve the needs of the city. Open four times a year, Bob, that's why, isn't it? That people can come along. And how do they do that? How can they get involved in that? Uh, so they just follow us on our social media or webpage, and the dates when it's open will be, be published each year. Uh, and you just turn up within a two-hour window, um, 
no heart conditions, mustn't be pregnant, etc., etc. Um, sensible shoes. Uh, and there'll be a team from here who will uh, make sure you go up and down safely and look after you while you're up there. Uh, 201 steps takes about 10 minutes, quarter an hour to get up, similar to come down. Wow, okay, that's uh, some feat, isn't it? Now, I do recall, actually, that uh, a, a certain radio station that used to be across the road many years ago used to hide their uh, technical equipment up in the old tower there. Is this true, Bob? It is true. No, the, the, the Victory used it as, as part of their broadcasting centre, you know, because it was an ideal place to to reach across the city, really. So, yeah. yeah. So there's a little connection, little radio connection, which is very nice, but uh, as an offshoot there. But, uh, I mean, I mean, Bob, yourself... And you say you've been here 23 years. That time must have really flown. How did it all come about to you in the first place, coming here? Uh, so prior to this, I was the vicar of uh, Lee Park and Warren Park for 10 years um, and had a great time out there. Uh, and then this post was advertised. And uh, I grew up in the city, um, loved the city, always been part of it. Uh, and it just seemed a golden opportunity to come back uh, and offer something back to the city that I, I, is mine. It's almost like a homecoming. Well, it is. I, I mean, I grew up just south of Fratton Bridge in off Albert Road, so I'm, I'm very close to homecoming, yes. They might show more ways than one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, so, and I mean, I, it, it, it's, it's a city I know and, and, and love very much. Yeah, so. And I guess that's really um, a great position to be in because you can relate to what people, if they come in to see you for whatever reason, you can relate to, to what they're saying to you and, and yeah. uh, a certain personal perspective on things. And, and also you understand the different communities of the city you know I, mean, I think people who come to the city um, for the first time uh, take a while to get to know the different areas and what they how they relate to each other um, and the different atmosphere in each area you know Fratton is very different to Southsea um, but we're very different to North End um, it's very diverse as a city really when you think about it it is and, and increasingly so I mean I, I think you know one of the things we are very aware of and, and, and kind of celebrating is is the diversity of culture that's now in the city, and, and how do we relate to all those different cultural groups? Is 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 is, is both challenging but fun. Um, but I think the city has a number of. We are very insular, um, despite being a large city. There is very much a sense of local communities focused in particular areas. Uh, sometimes we have very little to do with the other local communities next door. You know, it's, which is quite odd in a, in, a, in a in a major industrial city, but. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. Yeah, so very much diverse in more ways than one. But, uh, I mean, this is, as I said, it's a magnificent building anyway uh, and, and does so much. And you said there earlier you've had to uh, adapt to it and, and the church continues to evolve even in the digital age. Oh, absolutely. I think we're... we're, we're uh, COVID, I mean, COVID was a, was a, was a very difficult time, you know, tragic time for many. But also we discovered a whole lot of skills that we didn't know we needed nor had. So we now... Um, are regularly streaming um, three services a week and our Sunday service. So in a way, it hasn't been a... COVID was a terrible thing, but in a way, out of bad has come good. I think, I think we've learned the lessons from it. I think that's the important bit. We, we, we discovered some things, and rather than just pushing them back in the box and saying, well, you know, life's now going back to normal, I think we have evolved and changed and developed. Um, so our use of online um, services, but also our social media presence... Um, and the way in which we communicate with people is, is much more digital than it ever was before um, and has its impact. Um, I, I have a number of people who I meet out and about who say, oh, yes, we follow you on a Sunday morning. Um, 
you know, I, we don't know who they are. You've gone global? Uh, well, uh, strangely, we have. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was joking no, too. No, but... no, no. I, I mean, I know we've got people who watch us overseas who will occasionally send a comment to us or, or make it. You know, I mean, not huge numbers. We're not, we're not quite um, no. of the level of a number of other organisations, but we, are, we do have people following us all over the world as far as I can But that's say. nice, isn't it, that's really? Great. And it's part of that being, you know, what do we mean by community? Well, it, it exists on different levels. Um, and, you know, the St Mary's community, going back to that first world, world War experience, that community was very much about being not just in this place, but wherever people were. And I think, you know, one of our congregation is in Canada. Um, and so we know that she lived here, grew up here, and has emigrated over there, but still follows us and comments regularly. So there is that belonging, even though you're not physically here. Yeah, and that's quite nice, isn't it? Uh, and that sense of been as well even online so the church has had to adapt but it was accelerated really because of covid i think so certainly that was our experience we we, we wouldn't i don't it would have happened anyway I, sooner or later but i don't think in quite the 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 intensity with which it is uh, but also the quality you know we had to learn what worked and what didn't work um you know the first years of the first days of covid in lockdown we were broadcasting every day from the vicarage a service you know and that, that took a lot of thinking through as to how do you do this what does it look like how do people engage with this in a way that's meaningful to, to them and us so uh, yeah we learned a lot of things and we we've we've kind of we keep going back and reflecting on it and saying actually do we carry on with this or do we do that now and, and where what's the next step of development so yeah the, the, there's been a, a a transformation i think in, in our life now coming back to to the church here and uh, being an old building it must cost a lot to to keep this up yeah up together and maintain yeah i mean the heating bill alone is is scary but but the actual maintenance of the building is is it's a bit like the fourth row bridge so we just move from one project to the next to the next to the next um so 15 years ago we did the tower and that's only the top half of the tower and that was half a million plus just to do that um, the organ has just been restored and 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 uh, re- returned to its glory. That was another three-quarters of a million pound project. Um, so the next one will come around the corner, and we then have to go out and seek grants and funding, and find a way of, 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 of enabling the building to stay standing. Because the Victorians built it quickly, they also built it very cheaply. So the stone isn't of a, of a high standard, so it does crumble and and, and flake away and. The, bits that are stuck to the building begin to kind of not be so secure. So it is a constant, uh, and I think for us the challenge is uh, to, yes, do those things uh, and look after the building as best we can, but not to allow that to dominate what we are and all the other things that we do. So to enable us to use the building uh, and reach out into the community is as important as maintaining the building as it is. And sometimes it can be that you go too far one way or the other and we've just got to keep walking that middle ground yeah absolutely you mentioned of course we we talked about the 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 community involvement and that continues now you've been involved in all sorts of things in the the 23 years that you've been here i mean it must have expanded from the day you started it yeah i mean i think i'm now kind of integrated into the voluntary community life of the city really i mean i I chair hive which is a well-known uh, leader in the voluntary community area um, bring, and that's about bringing people together um, I've also Fratton was granted a million pounds by the uh, big local trust uh, 10 years ago to develop the community uh, and a group of us have been working on that which has brought about the the light parade which this year was stunning with about a 
500 people in a procession and about 500 people joining in from the sides. Um, and we're, we're running all sorts of things. We're now moving into a new phase. That, that, that tranche of million pounds has come to its end. Um, so those who are involved are setting up a new charity to carry on the work that we've been doing uh, and to build on that. So we're about to hope the next major project is the opening of a pantry, uh, which will be in the Bridge Centre, which uh, Council have recently acquired, uh, to serve again the needs of this community in Fratton. And it's definitely needed because obviously with the cost of living crisis, you must hear a lot of that uh, at the moment too. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone is struggling. I think the, the thing I've been saying to lots of groups of people is actually it's, it's all of us are being affected. Um, and sometimes we don't want to admit that we're being affected. Um, so there's a certain pride about people that you know, we're okay. But actually a pantry allows you to, to, to maintain your dignity. But by paying a small amount each week, being able to access probably more than you would get from a supermarket for that amount of money. Um, so it's a way of helping people kind of just bridge the gap uh, and maintain their dignity and self-confidence at the same time. Because there is, a, and we've talked about this with the Friends of the Homeless in Fairman Gosport yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago now, but uh, again, the same sort of issues really, which is just everywhere, that people are, I guess they class it as charity almost, and they're, they're not happy about doing that, are they? No, and I think, you know, people... People want to feel that we don't need to be looked after by somebody else. We want to look after ourselves. Um, and so the food banks are there to meet that crisis moment and are very much about giving charity, giving support um, and seeking to help people in that moment of need. Whereas the pantry, which is the kind of next level on, uh, is about providing uh, an ongoing ability to uh, pay a membership fee and for a small amount each week get, get a certain amount of items of your choice. Uh, and that idea of people are choosing what they get rather than here's your food bank parcel. So it's that it is giving people that sense of actually, yes, this is, this is like going to a shop. Um, and I don't get a stigma from being seen walking into that place as I might do if I stand in the queue at the food bank. It's basically, don't be embarrassed. Absolutely. And, you know, I, <laughs> I would say there's no stigma at all in wherever you go. If you need help, then it's vital that you go to the place that can provide it. And... Um, it's, you know, the time will come when you will, you will be out of that crisis and you can then take your turn in providing the support back to somebody else. So rather than being seen as a, as a, as a kind of brand or a stigma, I think we, we need to encourage people to see actually this is a very good way of helping you through to get you to that next point so that you can then begin to help others as well. So all these charitable organisations that you're involved with, very important to, to you personally, I imagine. Absolutely. I mean, I... I, 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 I enjoy sounds a strange word to use but I enjoy being part of them and seeing what we can do together um, and particularly that building of the community links um, so that rather than seeing the work of say the Roberts Centre in isolation it's how does the Roberts Centre fit into a bigger picture of working alongside other charities and agencies so that we're actually changing the culture and the quality of life of people together um, which is why the Hive, I think, is probably my, my most important bit of work, because that is about that concept that actually if we all do it, and if we all work in partnership with each other, then we'll achieve far more than all just doing our own little bit and not knowing what anyone else is doing. And that's been a great success, though, Bob, hasn't it? Oh, it's, it's been incredible. And I think particularly, again, COVID was, a, was, was another example of us discovering how we could do things better. Um, and there's been some you know, experiences that we gained from that that have helped us to move forward. So... So I think you know, the longer we step away from COVID, the more we'll recognise not just the tragedy and the suffering and the, you know, the struggles that people had, 
but also some of the very positive things that came out of it that, that now affect the way we live today. It's expressed this week. We're with uh, Father Bob White here at uh, St Mary's Church in Fatter. We've learned, actually, we've done a little bit of a history lesson here too, actually, with all sorts of things and how Bob's been involved in all sorts. And that really is the, the, the crux of the church, really. It's getting involved in the local community, isn't it? Very important to you, and that's all part of it. And I think particularly at this time of year here, we've been, Advent is, is a season where we talk very much about darkness and light. And I think all of those things we've been talking about today is very much about how do we bring some light into the darkness that's around us? How do we help people discover that light uh, is there within them and around them, rather than the overwhelming sense sometimes that the world is, is in a dreadful state and it's all going wrong. And it is very difficult. It has been a difficult year for, for a lot of people, of course. And uh, we mentioned across the living crosses and things like that. Let's come back to you, though, Bob, because I'm intrigued. How did being in the church start for you? Where, you know, where, where did it begin? Come on. It's a long story. Which we've, we've, we've <laughs> we haven't got a night, but... <laughs> you said five minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in Southsea, um, went to the Church of the Holy Spirit, um, family were very involved there and through various conversations various things that happened at the school and talking with teachers there just had a sense that that God was calling me to serve uh, as a a vicar as a priest Um, that was tested out uh, and yeah that that was it Um, and that's that was 1985 when it started so uh, you know and I have never sort of thought that no that's the wrong thing Um, it feels right. It feels that's where God wants me to use my gifts. Um, and as I said earlier, every day there's something new that I hadn't realised I had to do. It's learning all the time, I'm guessing. Oh, constantly. I mean, I, I, you, you, you know, you'd have thought after this amount of time, you'd have done everything. <laughs> and then something else comes along. Oh, I've never done this before. What do I do with this? You know. So it is, it, it is uh, it, for me, I, I can't think why anyone else wouldn't want to do this job. You know? And I guess you're thinking on your feet a lot of the time too. It's, it's responding and being attuned to what's going on around you, listening to what's happening, uh, and for me, not losing sight of that light that, of God's presence that kind of helps you see a way through what can sometimes be quite a difficult place. Yeah, that very much so, as we said at the start there, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, in terms of 2024, you've got a busy period now. The next sort of few days or so, we head towards Christmas uh, into New Year too, I imagine. Uh, we've got one or two carol services coming up. I think we've got about 13 or 14 more to go in the next 10 days before schools close, everyone starts to focus on, on home life, uh, and then we can enjoy our own Christmas celebrations with carol services and the like. Uh, and then as we move into the new year, we'll be focusing on that work with the pantry um, and supporting Fratton Big Local. Uh, and we're looking forward very much next year to a, our light installation We've got a very generous Arts Council grant to commission a piece that will be uh, world premiere in St Mary's uh, next November. Uh, and there's work to do towards that as the year goes on. So, um, and then there's the planning for the May Fair, which will be, of course, the annual treat and all the usual things that familiarly tip through the years. So. And then next minute, you're back to Christmas again. Well, yeah, there is a, there is a, I know I go from one thing to the next. So it'll be, you know, the first thing will be our parish pantomime, then it'll be Lent, Easter, May Fair. Mayfair moves into the summer celebrations, then we get to harvest, then it's remembrance, and then, as you say, we're back to Advent. <laughs> Fantastic. It's a Worcester stop tour, and so busy as well. It, I think you, we perhaps take things for granted, almost, uh, and just how quick and how much involved you are, yeah. too. Well, I, th- I think people, you know, rightly don't see all the work that goes on behind them. That's, that's, you know, that's what we do. That we, we prepare things, we, we book things up. Um, and I think what we want is people to be able to come and 
sense that there is something here that is 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 different is 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 somewhere where they can be and be part of uh, and there's no judgment there's no sense of you, you know unwelcome you can't come here how much work that requires that doesn't matter that, you know it's a, what do people perceive and, and, and engage in now if people want to find out more about the history of this place uh, yeah. you've got a website with with we a lot of detail on that haven't you uh, at portsea parish um I don't know what the website is, but it's .co.uk, I think. But if you look up Portsea Parish, you'll get the, there's a web page which has got the history on it. Um, if you want to keep following our events, um, they're on there, but there's also our Facebook page, which is Portsea Parish, and Instagram. Uh, so there's all sorts of ways you can engage with us and just find out more. Or come along uh, and just enjoy being in the space and uh, chatting to the people here, here who know something of its history and its background. And a lot of history too, we said, but uh, also you've been on TV quite, quite a bit too with all these sorts of family tree shows. Yes. Brian Blessed, Brian how did that come about, Brian Bob? Brian Blessed was... was, was uh, a legend. Uh, he is a legend. Uh, <laughs> and I have to say, if I have to pick one moment of the last 23 years that I probably enjoyed the most, it was the four hours I spent uh, while the TV crew did what the TV crew had to do and set themselves up, etc., so Brian Blessed and I just sat and drank tea and coffee together and chatted and had a wonderful time. Fascinating man. A really, really good conversation uh, and just great fun. Yeah, larger than life guy as well. And having family here, yeah, fantastic. Uh, very much larger than life. But once you get beyond that into the conversation, a very profound thinker and uh, really, really valued that, 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 that experience. Um, yeah, so that was, and that seems to be showed every other week as far as I can tell. You know, people are always like, oh, I saw you on telly yesterday. Well, I was on telly yesterday. <laughs> so it's, yeah, you know, that, 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 and, and Songs of Praise we did a few years before, which again is often been used and repeated. So, uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been really good. It's always good PR for, for, for the church isn't it and for the city it's such a wonderful space and i think it you know it it attracts people for all sorts of reasons um you say radio we had radio solent recording last week i know not allowed to mention rivals in this particular no, you carry on <laughs> so their carol service this year will be will be broadcast around christmas from here it's already been recorded um but i think people just enjoy coming in and using the space and discovering what you can do with it um, it's great to send us on our way, Bob, uh, as we head towards Christmas, leave us with a seasonal message of hope, I think, more than anything else. So I think for, for, for us, the message this year is very much that the, uh, the gifts that matter most uh, are the gifts that we have with inside us, uh, that we spend an awful lot of time worrying about what we're going to give other people. We worry about can we have the perfect Christmas that all the adverts tell us we should have. But actually the thing we ought to be more noticing is the gifts we've got within, uh, which are the gifts of love, joy and peace. Uh, and just finding, if we all found one way, each of us to share those gifts over the Christmas season with somebody else, then the world wouldn't be a place of darkness. It would transform our lives and the world around us. Nice way to leave it. Father Bob, Merry Christmas to you and to, to everyone here. And Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. Have a good time. Thank you. Many thanks. Father Bob there uh, from St Mary's Church uh, here in Fatton here on Express this week.